on this week's episode of Polk and Kush, the NBA playoffs are going in full effect. Of course, the New Orleans Pelicans are not there. We will talk about what the Pelicans need to do to get there. We'll also touch very briefly on the Saints. We've got overrated, underrated, the hard rock, and people yelling racial slurs at Burger King employees. What could be better than this? Ladies and gentlemen, Polk Come everyone to Poke and Kush. It's Wednesday, May 26, 2021, and the playoffs are on, and the Pelicans are not there, so we've got to figure out some stuff to talk about. You know what we can talk about for May 26th? It's my birthday. Oh my goodness gracious. You did not warn me of that. 26 years young. I know how you feel about me singing on the show, so I'll make sure to avoid that. Only for the Jansen song is it appropriate. Congratulations, Polk. You made it. I made it. <laughs> Against all the odds. <laughs> Against everyone's best advice, I made it. Against the odds, I made it. <laughs> Against everything. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm ready <laughs> to try and talk about the Pelicans. We've got nothing to say. Not much. But now I'm older and wiser. You so. are. So maybe there'll be a, a, a kernel of wisdom that pokes through mm. in your... Uh, so what? Are, any birthday plans? Are you like, uh, I'm going to do a shot for every year I am? This uh, this is going to sound like a shitty plug. Yeah. I'm going to go to Ale. Nice. I'm going to Ale because I was like, where's a place with food? Th- this sounds like an ad. <laughs> this, Give it time. This, we'll was do liter- it <laughs> this was literally my thought process was, all right, I want a patio in case some people don't feel entirely comfortable. Uh-huh. I want food. Yeah. I want beer. I want to be open past 9 p.m. Ails, ails the winner, baby. Win, win, win. So, uh, d- you know, come see me, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, God, this has gotten to a bad part. Are you going to wear a pin with the dollars on it? That makes me so mad when white people do that. I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> There's nothing more ridiculous than like a white girl from Tulane wearing the pin with dollars on it. You're like, no. stop it. I'm going to wear a pin with shake and bake coupons on it. <laughs> if you've got one, put it on. Uh, I uh, I remember being like, this is like someone was trying to explain to me what cultural appropriation was one time, and I couldn't really understand. They're like, you know, when you wear a sombrero, and I was like, I don't like a lot of people. Wear you were wearing a sombrero. Yeah, I was like, like, I don't, I don't get it. Under. And they're like, you know how when you go out to F and M's and there's like a Tulane girl who's worth like ten million dollars and she's got a, a pin on with dollar bills on it because it's her birthday. I was like, yeah. They're like, that's cultural appropriation. Like that. A hundred percent. That's exactly what that is. Now I get it. Just takes a little explanation that we can all agree with. I was like, they're exploiting a tradition that it's not theirs for their own benefit. I totally get it. Yeah. And then you took off the sombrero and put on the Raiden hat. Yes. Very good. Oh, man. Well, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah. I don't know. What do you say if somebody's having a very... I think at 36, you say nothing. <laughs> you say... Just go, all, all right. right. 
cool. Don't have cancer yet? <laughs> well, keep going. You survived the coronavirus against all odds, so that was... I put it to the test, and I'm here. You never caught it, right? Never caught it. That's incredible. I spit in its face yeah, several times. Your, your overall lack of giving a shit about it. Uh... Yeah, I was in Lafayette, <laughs> dancing with the devil, opening for Chris Kattan, dating nefarious women. <laughs> Sometimes a couple at a time. A few. And, you know, if they're dating me, they don't have too many moral quandaries about the disease what's virus, the office space line it's like yeah two, two chicks. chicks at one time is that the line you're going yeah. for or like, tps reports <laughs> i think the two chicks at the same time um anyway a uh a wonderful happy birthday to you this Thank is you. great you can spend it watching some playoff games that do not involve the pelicans i have very much enjoyed watching these playoffs thus far i think the play-in game was very uh, enjoyable, and I think the uh, playoffs, at least the first weekend, was uh, was a wonderful to view. I love the play-in games uh, because it was the first time there was an NBA game with stakes that you didn't have to wait three and a half weeks for. Yeah. It was, let's just get to it. I yeah. love the playoff games. LeBron is incorrect because he was in a point of desperation. Yeah. He thought he was going to lose. Maybe he should have. But he flopped hard enough to get to the next round. Dude, he is really taking this shit to another level. In case you missed it, LeBron James said he got poked in the eye so hard that he was seeing three baskets on his game-winning shot against Golden State, which was ludicrous enough. Absolutely incorrect. <laughs> I was like, so I shot at the middle one. I was like, you douchebag. And then... Uh, in game one against Phoenix, Chris Paul literally pulled his arm like the way my three-year-old pulls my arm uh, on a box-out opportunity, and LeBron hit the deck as if someone had, he had taken shrapnel off a of proximity mine, and it <laughs> ripped through his shoulder muscle, and he's writhing around in pain on the ground. Then he realizes there's a fight going on on the other side of the court, so the cameras aren't on him anymore, so he stands up walks to the other side where the fight is, and falls down again. <laughs> so our hero warrior, uh, LeBron James, I mean, he's really made it absolutely insufferable to watch. It's it's absurd, and no, like people are just kind of laughing it off a little yeah. bit as if this is not the most influential player exactly. in the NBA. Not getting fined for any of this nonsense. Yeah. Just people are going, oh, that's LeBron. Yeah, remember they were had all these flopping rules a couple of years ago, and he's not necessarily flopping. I mean, he's definitely overacting, but it's not like to draw a particular whistle, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it is. Anyway, it's like they had this big hand-wringing moment about flopping in the NBA, and then you have this guy who is the face of the league, like the unquestionable face of the league, is pulling this absolute bullshit on the court and then you're like, all right, well, compare that to Zion, who's getting hacked all the time. And David Absolutely Griffin hammered. is, you know, crying, you know, uh, crocodile tears in interviews because he's not getting the same calls. And it's like, well, is this what this guy has to do? Like, is this a learned behavior? They're training him to become an insufferable superstar. <laughs> yeah. What's funny about that LeBron, oh, I shot for the middle basket quote is if you're seeing three baskets, I bet you shouldn't take the last shot in the game. <laughs> I don't care who you are, Steph, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen. If you're seeing three baskets, you should only be seeing one basket. You should probably pass it. Yeah, I know AD has been living up to 
what the New Orleans voodoo cursed him with. <laughs> yeah. But good Lord. But also, you know, he's full of shit, so. Um, he's frustrating, man. I just, uh, I, I do, but I feel like it is learned behavior over a certain amount of years. Like, if you pull this shit, the refs will eventually feel bad enough for you and start giving you calls. And if you do it, like, the NBA media will give you credit for it. And it's like, and it's such a terrible reward system that the league has in place. And I do think that, like, Stan Van Gundy, as he's kind of figuring this out and how to play and live with Zion, he's kind of starting to figure out that, like, yeah, we need to start pulling this shit. We got to start complaining. We got to start whining. We have to start making this into a big ordeal every time. And watching these playoffs, you kind of get the concept of, like, yeah, I just think that's going to be what the future holds for this guy. Are they ever going to hold officiating responsible? Because if you're going to put, if you're going to implement these rules of replaying and 500 different angles and slow motion, why are we still talking about the players lying? Yeah. Because flopping is lying. Sure. So LeBron James overacting is flopping because he's still lying. He's wasting people's times. Yep. He is presenting a false narrative. That should be a punishable offense in the NBA. However, why are we just letting the officials do this shit? Yeah. Um, from one end to the other, uh, not doing anything with Zion to doing too much with LeBron, we're leaving out the real enemy here, which is uh, the officials. Yeah, they, and they it's very much an issue with the league and has been for a really long time. And, and I, I think I read something really interesting uh, today about how we should all know the refs kind of by name. Yeah. Like people who are ardent NBA fans should really know. And they've tried their best to camouflage all of them and make them all look the same and sound the same and that you really can't differentiate the good ones from the bad ones. But they really shouldn't do that. They should make it so that we know when we get a shitty ref on a game that we know that's what's happening. Yeah. And they've done their best to kind of instead like – I don't know who the good ref is. I don't know who a bad ref is. I just lump them all together. And that's probably really unfair to a lot of refs that are out there. Um, but, you know, this is where the NBA is. And it's been the officiating has been a problem for so long. I mean, they had a freaking ref arrested for fixing games. Like, <laughs> and we just all are like, oh, well, which, that was a one time thing. Yeah, you know? which made no news. Yeah, it was in the papers for a day. Yeah, the NFL is a little bit better about referees because they have to speak. And they actually put the name up on the bottom That's of the true. screen. Yeah, also, NFL referees are a lot more vascular. So you notice. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that guy's veiny. Dude, <laughs> shirts are tighter. Uh, I, no, I, I completely agree. The, the refs need to be held uh, accountable. And they're not, uh, frankly. And it's, so much of the playoffs will depend on it. Uh, as far as Pelicans news this week. The big piece that came out and that I, I reported a little bit, Sam Amick also reported uh, and kind of got picked up more than I was expecting. Uh, tension between Stan Van Gundy and the players. We've discussed this uh, often. I wrote a column basically saying there's no way that Stan Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy has to play the bad guy. And that can't work into the future. At, at some point, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, somebody's going to have to take accountability for this team from the inside, that it can't just be Stan playing the bad guy because if that keeps going, number one, they're going to completely tune him out, and number two, no good team gets all of their kind of mental toughness from their coach. So that is, I mean, are you surprised the concept that, like, Stan has a, a tense locker room, that there's guys that, you know, aren't really on the Stan Van Gundy train? 
It's not a surprise to me. I would, you know, I would be like everybody, more curious about the actual specifics of it because these kind of rumors circulate around bad teams sure. and small market teams, and especially first year coaches. Yeah. So uh, just saying that there's tension in the locker room with a 31 and 41 team with two all stars on it, not front page news. No. Is there anything to gain out of that? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious there were a couple guys there who did not jive with Van Gundy and just in their comments. It's yeah. pretty obvious. Ingram. The being, entire team. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, Ingram being the most important one. Yeah. That it never quite felt like it was right. And he, he made some comments afterwards that were like, yeah, it was a really tough year. And I think we'll be better for it in the long run. But it was a really tough thing to go through. And then Josh Hart always seemed like he was never quite in tune with it. Lonzo never seemed like he was in tune with it. It just felt like he never had the entirety of the team kind of pulling in one direction. But is that like is that a little unfair to say that the team is not pulling in one direction when the team is losing? Yeah. Like there is there's not a great example that comes to my mind of a first year coach with a very young team that's losing where it's like, yeah, these guys are all on the same page. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and you know, some of Alvin's early seasons when they were super injured, you're like, oh, they're still playing hard. Yeah. You know? Like, even though they're bad, they're playing hard. And uh, I actually, you know, Chris Finch's team in Minnesota, I guess you could, they played better at the end of the season than the beginning. Whatever. But you're right. Most of it is just about wins. Uh, that is what it typically comes down to. And that's what this team has to do so desperately. And that's why I think in a lot of ways they're pivoting this offseason, right? Like, We've been told for a long time, for two full seasons, that David Griffin is about sustainable success. Uh, I don't think he can maintain that level of patience right now. I think it is very obvious when you hear about tension, when you hear about you know Zion's unhappiness creeping in, and you start seeing those rumors flutter, which they have, uh, I think you have to go do something now to fix it. You mean that level of patience with his team, from yes. him to his team? Yeah, that's not going to last, especially not in today's NBA, not with a team of very young, very talented, despite the record. Yeah. These players aren't going to put up with this shit for very long. No. This is a different NBA from 10 years ago. This is a different NBA from five years ago. Yeah. These players are not going to put up with this shit. No. And they, <laughs> it feels like they can demand a contract, a trade anytime they feel like it. And, you know, that the, the guys always seem to get it. I can't think of an example where someone's high profile and asked for a trade and didn't get it. Yeah. Because it's so easy just to sabotage a situation you're in. Not that the Pelicans are there yet. That is a stretch to say they're in that position. But it does show, I think, that Griff can't just, like, hang on to all these draft picks, hang on and be like, all right, we're building this, you know, one brick at a time until we build a 10,000-foot wall, and each season is just a little... He just can't do that anymore. I think he yeah. has to go do something that's much more immediate to address the needs on this team. And the Pelicans aren't in that position right now of everybody demanding a trade and trying to jump ship. Yeah. But it's on everybody's mind. Yes. I would think even if you are the most um, the most haphazard fan that sees a game on at the bar and you know who four of the five starters are. Yeah. I feel like just being a New Orleans basketball fan, you have that ingrained in your mind of <laughs> these guys are trying to get out of here. Yeah. 
Because I'm trying to get out of here. <laughs> There's a fucking pile of tires in front of my house right now. Did you see that? That is the truth. I didn't know that was a thing. Somebody dumped off a bunch of tires in front because it costs to throw them away. I literally think sometimes when I'm driving down your street that I'm like, I'm like, oh, look, I'm in Honduras. Like, I don't know what happened. The street is just like caved in. Like, And this understand. is what the Pelicans players are thinking. They show up to practice and they're like, is this the Honduran national team? Who are we? Why are there a bunch of tires on the side of the stadium? <laughs> They're just not uh, in a position. And it really does feel like, look, when they have 14 double-digit leads that they blew, they had, you know, I think they led the league in th- th- uh, losses by less than three points. There's so many metrics you can look at to say that it's close and that if they were just in that play-in game, even if they lost it, they were just in it, I think everything would feel a lot better. And that's probably close to reality of what they actually are but there is no denying that zion williamson is watching these playoffs and saying what the fuck like there's john morant he started on a team just as bad as i started on and he's already in the playoffs there's you know trey young who's on a horrendous team he got there three years ago they're pretty good now like he's got young guys across the league are you know Luka Doncic was in the playoffs last year like young guys have kind of pulled themselves up and been contenders in the playoffs in year two and three yeah. if he goes three years without getting into the postseason you are screwed yeah I mean like the the team that comes to my mind is what assets do the Suns have that the Pelicans don't other than obviously a much better coach yeah I mean Devin Booker I mean, I would say he's better than Ingram, right? But but talent, like, you know, that's debatable. Um, but it's veteran leadership, yeah. and it's a great coach. And it's sure. things that the Pelicans have uh, grasped at yeah. and have not been able to get within their reach. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like, how much, how much are Pelicans fans just going to, like, grin and bear it? And how much are Pelicans players going to do it? Yeah. Zion... Right. Ain't gonna do it. No, he's too. He's too good, frankly. Yeah, and and that is the that. So when Griff took the job, everybody's talking about sustainable success. Everybody's uh, he's kind of building this long view, and I think in his head he probably had a four to five year window. He's got Anthony Davis to trade. He's got Drew Holiday, who will probably probably knew at some level that he was going to trade him. Build up a bunch of assets and build it the way that Oklahoma City is. Build it the way that a lot of really bad teams have built themselves back up. Then he gets this stroke of luck, which provides you Zion Williamson, which is a blessing in one regard, but is now kind of a burden because it is going to accelerate what they have to do because you cannot do that again. They overcorrected last offseason in the wrong direction. They thought that if they just built toughness and experience, and so they traded for Steven Adams, who they also extended, and Eric Bledsoe, who's got a long deal. And by trading for those guys to kind of supplement the starting lineup, that that would be the key to kind of pushing them over the edge. That's what they were missing. And he was dead wrong. Those were the wrong moves. He screwed up. He thought that his shooting was going to be at least mediocre or okay because J.J. Redick and Nicola Melli were there. He was wrong. So he's got to fix those problems on top of making the team significantly better. So not just, 
you know, making the right move. But now you've got to probably give up a pick or two for Eric Bledsoe, and then you've got to spend a pick or two to go get a player. So now this treasure chest of assets you have is going to look dangerously thin, and you better make the right moves or you've got nothing left. But at least that is what the treasure chest is there for. Yes. So use it correctly. You've, you, you have the assets. You can go ahead and make these moves. Are they going to be the correct moves? Time will tell, (laughs) I suppose. I mean, you know, I would not agree necessarily that having Zion on the team is a problem to any degree. Not a problem. No, no, no. (laughs) I think it just shifted the way that they have to build this. But it was going to have to shift that way at some point if you wanted to become a a winning franchise. Yes. So it doesn't matter if that's sooner or later, I don't think, regardless of the coaching situation or the draft pick situation. Yeah. But I, th- I think the, the silver lining here is that we do have the assets to go and make these decisions. Does anybody have the confidence that these are going to be the correct decisions? No. Yeah. Absolutely but, no one. Yeah. The, I mean, the balls are on the chopping block. There's no doubt about it. And it happened really fast. And I think that's, that's kind of the difference with the Dell Demps era where everything happened pretty slowly and then sped up. And this is happening, it feels like, in warp speed that all of a sudden you've got like this major pressure packed off season and you're watching the playoffs going like, I don't even know if Ingram and Zion really work. Like I'm watching these playoff games going like these defenses are look very different and, and they need, and these teams all have shooting. These teams all can like build a defensive wall. Uh, There's a lot there that doesn't feel like Zion and Ingram can take over games like this, which is ultimately the most important thing. Is that fair? Do Am you I just f- being completely negative dick? I mean, I've been that before. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it, it's hard to compare teams not in the playoffs to teams in the playoffs. It's a different environment. Yeah. These people play to the level of their opponents. The Pelicans certainly try to. I don't know if I would, you know, pull the siren and say that Zion and Ingram are built different from these teams that yeah. are built different. I, at this point, I think it's a safe conservative estimate just to say there are missing pieces here. Yeah. And if the pieces come into place, you're going to see the cohesiveness that you're seeing from, you know, the, who the wizards, the Washington wizards, yeah. the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not talking about from these pantheons of basketball. Yeah, I mean, you know. the Grizzlies won the first game. You know? Right. So it's not like, yeah. And you know, Pelicans are every bit as talented, at least, as those teams. It just feels watching it. You're like, man, the defense looks at such a different level, and these guys are so dependent on getting to their spots, and I don't know if they can get to them, but I do understand what you're saying. Um, and then I believe the last bit of news regarding the Pelicans today, uh, they lost. They actually got the very worst outcome of a tiebreaker mm-hmm. uh, ping-pong ball pull. Uh, so they actually still have a 20% chance of getting the top four, uh, what, 4% chance? 4.5. Let's be your gambler, come on. <laughs> of getting number one. This was the ping pong show over at Chi-Chi's. Yeah. We've all seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was already, the Tijuana was where they held it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the Pelicans end up, uh, if they do not move into the top four, that 20% chance, they uh, will pick 10th. Uh, unless someone jumps them, they could be 11th. Uh, so the worst case scenario, they could have gotten eighth. They are instead in 10th. So, you know, number 10, number eight, I I personally don't think there's probably much of a difference, but 
I'm sure those who follow the draft closely would tell you otherwise. Yeah, they would be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see the history of success. It can't be that much different. No, I mean, the draft this year doesn't seem particularly aligned for what the Pelicans need. The Pelicans yeah. need shooters. Guys coming out of college now are clay being molded into shooters. Yeah, that's true. You know, guys don't come out of college as as Steph Curry, obviously. Yeah. Um, they come out as Nikhil Alexander-Walker, yeah. and we've got one of those. So, <laughs> uh, the, the the bigger question would be how much value did they lose on a potential trade based on from an eight, eight to an ten? When you have the assets that the Pelicans do, I don't think it really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, do the Pelicans have any idea what they want, who they're going for? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think in, if you were to get them in an honest moment, they'd probably tell you that they expect to trade it. Yeah. The question is, like, does anyone want it? Because they've had these situations. They tried to trade the draft pick last year. They got no decent offer, so they took Kyra Lewis. They tried to trade Lonzo at the deadline really hard. Everyone knew they were trying to trade him. They got no de- decent offers, so they kept him. Uh, and then you, now you've got this draft pick. At some point, uh, you either take a crappy deal or you take another draft pick who probably can't help you very much right now in a season where you need some help pretty badly. So it is a, uh, an interesting situation. Uh, certainly the real lottery will be a big moment for them. If they can move in the top four, that would be a enormous help uh, for the Pelicans as far as going and making a trade uh, for a, a contender right away. Well, Griff's got his lucky tie or whatever. What does he yeah, wear like every a, time? Didn't someone give him like a bean also? When yeah. He there was like some sort of mysterious, magical thing. Yeah, somebody gave him an old ashtray yeah. from a voodoo <laughs> witch, and now he gets the number one pick every From Marky's Bar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, draw, I fell asleep with this ashtray in 1987. Uh, yeah, so... There's a lot happening with the Pelicans. I know there's no season occurring right now, but they are definitely still the more interesting of the stories that is in town right now. Uh, anyway, we will take a quick break. We will talk uh, a little bit of Saints, get into a lot of national stuff, and, of course, all of our segments. So please stick around right here, Folk and Kush. It was a beautiful weekend in New Orleans. The sun was shining. The people were out. Life is coming back to normal. And one of the best places uptown was a hoppin' ale on Oak Street. Boogity. Oh, my goodness. 30 beers on tap. Fantastic menu. Uh, Spacious patio. Beautiful. Which will be hosting my birthday party (laughs) tomorrow morning. <laughs> I don't know what time they open, but I'll be there. You'll with be in, bells on. You got your sleeping bag. You'll be right outside the front door. Ale on a, a a common problem with bars in New Orleans is they don't have any TVs or they're not in tuned with New Orleans sports. Tell you what, Ale is the opposite. They have a million TVs. They're showing the games. They're showing baseball. Yeah. See Tulane. See LSU. I think LSU lost. You and O. Louisiana Tech. You yeah. can see them all. Everyone's whenever there. they're playing. Yeah. No, they they do know what's going on. They've got a, a million TVs. They have a million beers. They have great food and a beautiful patio in what has been really nice weather. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of weeks in New Orleans. So it's also um, I went. I tried to go to the French Quarter to have lunch this weekend. I went to a place that supposedly had parking. Street was closed off. I was trapped for an hour. Oh, my God. Ale, parking all around the place. Yeah. 
There's meters in front. You can go six feet off to another alley. Yeah. You can park there. You can walk there. It's, you can walk from the streetcar. Take a bike. Take the streetcar. That's a good point about the streetcar. Always here for you. Uh, Ale on Oak, everyone. It is our very favorite bar. Please support those who support this show. Ale on Oak. That is right on Oak and Carrollton, about a block away. Uh, we will see you there. And please bring some dollar bills for Polk. Yeah. I can have it pinned to my shirt. I'm going to have a Polk and Kush <laughs> shirt with a Polk and Kush hat <laughs> pinned to my shirt. And I'll go, hey, is that Polk and Kush? <laughs> that is a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, so what else we got? I mean, we got a little bit. I mean, like the smallest traces of Saints news. There is a rookie mini camp Thrilling. going on. Thrilling. Give me a dollar to name a rookie. I forgot all their names. Werner. Werner Herzog. <laughs> Peyton Manning. He's back. I saw uh, that the the rookie. Yo, what's his name? Peyton Turner. Yeah. He was wearing like cowboy boots and went to Blue Oak. Sure. There we go. He wore a cowboy hat and cowboy He's, boots. He saw that Twitter infographic that said New Orleans was the best barbecue city in America. <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's but not. that's fine. Well, yeah, there's a good place. <laughs> good place for two. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, This is the biggest Saints news. Yeah. And then I think what they had, the uh, Saints Hall of Fame golf tournament. Uh, I talked to someone who went. He said Sean Payton uh, showed up at, he was supposed to start at nine. He mm-hmm. played with three of his good friends. It's supposed to be like a charity, whatever yeah. thing. He played with like three of his best friends. He showed up at eight fifty-five and teed up at nine. <laughs> went straight, didn't talk to anybody. Just went straight to the box. I was like, this guy gives no shits. And Cam Jordan apparently put on Twitter <laughs> that he wasn't invited, which is great. Wow. He's like, I've got golf shoes. I've got the golf uh, clubs. He's like, no one invited me to play. <laughs> I, like, I would behave. The exact same way Sean did, though, if I could. Why wouldn't you? It's like, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do here is talk to a bunch of media people, whatever. Yeah. What are you going to do? Putt putt with fucking (laughs) Scott Kushner? Get out of here. Yeah, uh, I, it it was very funny. There was like a giant gathered media like Mickey Lewis talked and said absolutely nothing. And then Peyton just like blew by, went to the first tee and never talked to anybody. Good for him. Yeah. Why not? That's very Sean. They should have the next Saints celebrity golf thing at the mini golf course at City Park. Yeah, definitely. Why not? <laughs> It'd be shorter. Cam Jordan seems like a mini golf kind of guy. You know, he's wacky. He's got like a handlebar mustache. He's always wearing like a Dragon Ball Z shirt. Multicolored shoes. He lo- He would love the whimsy of that. That should be his thing. That should. God, Maybe him and Steph that. Curry could do the ABC golf show. <laughs> and he and CJ Carter Johnson there. Yeah, like sure. Psyching people out. Yeah. Yeah, he'll go <laughs> knock somebody out. For hitting the windmill, uh, I mean, I literally can't think of any other Saints news right now. No, I can't either. I mean, have they gotten Aaron Rodgers yet? Um, have they gotten? Oh, I saw Julio Jones. Are we going to talk about that in Polk news? Julio, it doesn't matter. Okay, uh, Julio <laughs> Jones, he's coming to the Saints, obviously. When is Latoya releasing? <laughs> she's got to release the Aaron Rodgers video first, and then she's got to release the Julio video. It's very important. She did the. Was it Russell Wilson? It was Russell Wilson. I can't believe he's not here yet. When's the Deshaun Watson one coming out? (laughs) It's like, hey, man, you got problems with the law? Come to New Orleans, buddy. She's like a massage therapist, like (laughs) dancing around around a table. (laughs) 
with her hands up. You're like, we got you, Deshaun. Yeah. God, she's terrible. Um, and he's terrible, apparently. Aaron well. Rodgers ain't coming here. Um, Julio told, who was it, Shannon Sharp? Yeah. He said he's not coming back to Atlanta. Interesting move. I think he, if you watch it, he didn't seem to know he was on camera. It was like a phone call, Mm. and Shannon introduced himself as Uncle Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, yeah, what's going on with Atlanta? He's like, I'm not going back there. It was like, uh, all right. Do you mean for games or just for... (laughs) You, you moving to a different county for tax purposes? Uh, anyway, it was very uh, bizarre, and he kind of just said that. And then he said something about, like, he didn't want to go to Dallas because he wants to win right away. And Dallas is, I don't know, okay. Not like I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of teams that are significantly better than Dak Prescott at quarterback, you know? So Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing was kind of weird. But it does show the Falcons are very much in a time of transition, I think. The Panthers are in a time of transition too, uh, so that would is seem- every football team in a time of transition because <laughs> yeah. it's almost the same time. yeah. So it seems the Bucks, uh, returning all twenty-two starters from a Super Bowl team, are in pretty damn good shape. Yeah, there's uh, four teams that are not in transition in the NFL. I think that's probably about it. That sounds about right. Aaron Rodgers and Julio, they're going to be on the Raiders. That's that's oh yeah. yeah. It, I mean, they're going to get everybody. That's going to be the new LA because it's like I'm close enough to LA that I can go be in the commercial for. Uh, Lee and parents, <laughs> and I can join John Gruden and his Hooters ads. <laughs> you think John Gruden's still doing those Hooters ads? He was pretty. He made a lot of money off that. Uh, he told me that he wasn't the mayor of Tampa. I uh, John Gruden is. Uh, you live in L.A. for a while. You get like so many stories, you just forget them. I was driving to work one morning. I worked in downtown L.A. and John Gruden just crossed the street in front of me, and I almost hit him. And I <laughs> never told anyone that story. <laughs> It was just such a thing that happened. I was just like, yeah, of course I almost ran over and killed John Gruden at 8 a.m. You'd have owed him a lot of money. Yeah, I would have. It would have been tough. Well. Good thing you didn't hit him. Good thing I didn't have a license plate. New Orleans. I would have just driven off and been fine. (laughs) Someone showed a car that had a, their license plate was just a a typed up uh, piece of paper that said, Still waiting on NOPD to close my case. <laughs> there you go. You can just do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can it just was, do that. It's such it's fine. a lack of like, oh, well, there will obviously be no consequences for anything I do. No. Why, why would, would there be? Why would I, when's the last time someone checked a brake tag in this city? Um, I feel like there are probably certain parts of town that might get the brake tags Maybe. checked. I can't remember. There used to be like stops for it. I have not seen one in for. I, I, are they still doing DUI checkpoints? I haven't seen one of those in forever, too. <sighs> me neither. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, what took me like a year to figure out if I needed the circle inspection stick? You guys call them brake tags. Yeah. Circle inspection sticker, the square one. Oh, it took a what? fucking act of Congress to find out which one I needed. Because of what parish you're yeah. living in? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I had the wrong one for a year, and no one cared. No one would know. The only time I've gotten pulled over in New Orleans was I went into Rite Aid the wrong way, and I got pulled over. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know there's a guy being murdered with an axe 15 feet away. No? Just me for the Rite Aid? <laughs> Literally watching a guy go into the store <laughs> and leave with all the baby formula. 
<laughs> yeah, I also saw, uh, what was it, Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City yeah. said, said how mad she gets when she goes to the CVS and the stuff is all locked up. She's like, I can't believe they're depriving these poor people of things by locking them up. I was like, no, no, no. They're depriving people who steal things <laughs> of stealing things. The really the people who need this stuff, like the people who need baby formula, get it for free. Yeah, like it's not as if like the, the people who uh, who need laundry detergent, they can get it. I promise. Well, like, what's nice such a about limousine, like? Oh my god. Yeah. What's nice about that is that Cynthia Nixon doesn't lock her house. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, yeah, I need to get into Cynthia Nixon's. I don't have HBO Go. <laughs> I want to get into her house and finish the jinx. And then she's denying me that by locking her door. What a, uh, Come on, unbelievable. Cynthia. I thought we were all on the same page here. Uh, but speaking of uh, stealing all the baby formula, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. He won the PGA championship. I think he's the oldest man to ever do it. Oldest person to win a major. Fifth. Was he 50? 50. Almost uh, 50. Well, like a month away from being 51. Is that old now in golf? I mean, dude, he was hitting bombs too yeah he hit a, he hit a drive like 360 deep like bombs with a crowd like blowing smoke in his yeah. face it was like happy gilmore out there it was a wild people scene. Those guys were showing their tits those guys were drunk <laughs> as shit out there there was like there was one shot where there were just like drunk people like there was like a six foot parting for him to hit this shot. It's like, can you imagine anyone, you know, hitting this shot? They would go to prison because they would blind somebody. You do. You have more room in like a top golf uh, like alley, whatever it is, a lane. It was ridiculous. I mean, like they clearly screwed up the security like. Brooks Koepka said he basically got knocked down by the crowd walking up to 18. Who like, knocked down Brooks? I mean, yeah, Come on. Uh, but was anyway. Derek Henry out there? <laughs> he was saying they were just like, it was, I mean, it was a mob scene. And then the best was right before Mickelson, which he needed three putts. So it wasn't that big of a putt. But right before, you know, everybody's like, man, make it lefty, whatever. And then the only black guy at the entire tournament, you could hear just go, man, I can't see shit out here. <laughs> he said, man, I can't see nothing. It was great. I, I fell off the couch. I was laughing so hard. It was like 25 people deep in the seat. I was like, I know the feeling. Man. Yeah, he's the voice of America at that point. <laughs> so that was fun to see, though. It was also nice. I think that very very next day, he was just tweeting like, yeah, I'm fucked up drinking wine. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was uh, half lit, half lit. on the plane and tweeting. Look, Buzz driving is drunk driving. OK, it, He's, so if good. you're half lit, you're fully lit. It's so good, man. I was happy for him. That was a fun. It was a fun like uh, you don't get a lot of those in sports. So like kind of it's a feel good moment. Everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction yeah. and it comes through. And so that was nice. It was also the perfect time for all those people. None of them are vexed, but they're going to lie and say that they are. <laughs> so they could all hang out and make out and throw up in each other's faces. There, there was not a COVID protocol in sight at that No, place. thank you, ma'am. Those guys were drunk, and I loved it. It, it was, was fun to it see. It was like, uh, you know, white-a-palooza out there. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was great. Uh, what else on the Polk News uh, Richter scale here? I mean, we are kind of covered Memphis we covered Memphis upsetting the Jazz the Suns upset quote unquote the Lakers yeah the Lakers I think the Lakers stink LeBron has not what? looked the same since the injury AD is playing like he's back in New Orleans yeah I mean so the LA Times columnist Bill Plaschke like 
straight up called out AD today. Like, you know, like, it's like you are a fraud who disappears when you need it until, until you get called out and then you show back up and all this stuff. I was like, dude, if I wrote that about the Pelicans after, like, you know, whatever, eight months after they won a championship, oh, yeah. people would run my ass out of this town. Yeah, like, you just said, you, like, said true things about AD while they were barely in the playoffs and yeah. he glared at you and made you a meme yeah yeah i mean it's like you know, the idea of like i mean they're killing him it's like they, they lost game one in the playoffs and he had a bad fourth quarter which he also admitted i think the lakers are going to win the championship so we feel very differently on that. no i'm thinking it's probably nance nets all the way i think this is the most wide open playoffs we've experienced in quite some time like i think there's like six seven teams that you could really make an argument could win the championship, which usually it's two. Yeah, if that Maybe many. Maybe three. Uh, I mean, if the Warriors were in it, I probably would have considered the, it's it's hard to count on a team with the greatest shooter of all time. Fair. Um, but, yeah, definitely. This is probably going to be the most interesting playoffs. The Suns definitely kind of have a Detroit championship vibe about them. Like, yep. they are a... Chauncey Billups style championship team. Yeah. And uh, I think more than anything, it's just been very fun to watch these games. It has. I mean, they're competitive. They're, you, they're I would say what? Well, not last that? night. No. <laughs> what would you say? Two series or like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Or three. And then really the next round, there's probably one series where you're like, there's a heavy favorite and that would be it. And then every other series is really close in which that doesn't have, The second round is usually boring as hell. So it's going to be a fun second round. It's going to be, I don't even know who's going to be in the conference finals. Like, these are things that are not usually true. Usually you have a pretty good understanding of who the, you know, top dogs are. But because the top seeds in both conferences have kind of never been there before, you don't really know what to expect. I think it's fun. Uh, I'm glad that it's not Lakers, Warriors, Cavs, whatever, you know, like. It's not the same teams that we've right. seen over and over and over again for the last like seven. Eight it's years. also insane what a difference three to five thousand people make as opposed oh, to yeah. last season. God, that bubble. Looking back on it, was really like just didn't feel. Real I think good. historically that's going to be a bad, yeah, sporting moment. Just yeah. a bad sporting. It's, it's going to look weird. Yeah. In retrospect. Well, uh, we've got plenty more for you. Favorite segments, overrated, underrated, and the worst. Plus, maybe more. Stick around right here, Polk and Gush. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Yeah, baby. Yeah. That's right. Underrated and overrated. Exactly what you think it would be. <laughs> There's a little explanation for some of them. This one, no explanation needed. Yeah? It's stuff that's underrated. <laughs> and then it's stuff that's overrated. It's pretty simple. I think so. It's a good concept. I've gotten overrated. Go for it. This is a big one in New Orleans. It's a big one around here. The ring cam. Okay. This is, if you're on uh, any of those next door, you know, next door uh-huh. in the neighborhood apps, this is just an excuse for people to be racist. Yeah. I mean, it really. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was suspicious in, character. <laughs> I was in Lakeview on next door and it was literally like, well, the mailman today was Mexican. <laughs> It's like, but he's a mailman. He's the fucking, I don't care that he set off your ring cam. He's a fucking mailman. Also, these things are used uh, nefariously. Obviously, you know, the FBI's hacked into these things. The CIA, the IRS, they know when you're home. They know when you're gone. They know everything you're doing. They can track you on your phones. 
These things do not do the one thing they are supposed to do, which is stop crime. Yes. You see videos of the crime, and it's like, oh, did they get the guy? No. <laughs> we reference the stack of tires in front of my house currently. It's taller than my home. If I had a ring cam and some guy pulled up and just threw out 80 tires and he was fully on the ring cam, what are my options? <laughs> you think I'm going to call the police and go, hey, some guy threw a bunch of tires in front of my house. I have footage. They go. So, yeah, it's like, well, we have a lot of other stuff to deal with. It's like, OK, well, I guess I'll go find them. And they're like, fine, have fun being murdered whenever yeah. you find them, you idiot. <laughs> so the, the point of the camera is just for you to get mad because it's like, oh, that's the guy that stole. It's not going to be your neighbor. No, probably not. Well, hopefully not. Unless you have a camera and it's trying to see who's stealing your newspaper. <laughs> It's not, you, might but, be able to get that back. you know, who's kicking in your door, who's stealing your garbage can. My fucking garbage can got stolen. Oh, my God. I've become John Wick for this garbage can. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I did walk around the name. I'm sure some guys threw it in his truck. Do you have stickers on it? No. Uh, There's a serial bad. number on every garbage can that yeah. connects back to your address. Did you take a picture? Did of I that? go around scanning well, garbage? Do you know the numbers? I'm saying? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Yeah. I did take some new headshots recently. Maybe the garbage can is in the background. <laughs> Just you pointing to yeah. the serial number of the garbage can. I'm a garbage comedian. Here's my garbage but that's can. another thing, too. It's like, what am I going to do? Go to the police and go, hey, I scanned all the garbage cans. I found mine. Yeah. Will you go get go, no, no, we're not going to go get it. You get it. You yeah. fucking get shot. <laughs> I looked it up. The reason why garbage cans get stolen is because they're worth about $100 each. And uh, uh, there's a black market for them with like restaurants and like construction sites. Oh, my God. So people, usually it's people that work at construction sites that'll steal them because they don't have enough garbage cans sure. and shit. So I'm just going to bust into a construction site and be like, hey, you pussies. You know, <laughs> which one you are you? Yeah. Me? That's my serial number on that yeah. garbage can. Get away from my Ford Fiesta. <laughs> um, yeah, man. The rig camera, I uh, I know some people who are obsessed with it. I, I literally, like, we have one. I was like, I don't want it on my phone. I don't want it anywhere. Like, I don't want to be able to access it. Like, I don't care. Like, especially now that we live in, like, a good neighborhood. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't. I have no concern over this thing. And even when we lived in a bad one, I was like, I don't want to see someone stealing the package off my front porch. Do you consider the bad neighborhood the one that's immediately next door to me <laughs> that you just moved from? Look all the worst neighborhood. How's that sound? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, even then, I don't think we had any, like, we might have had one or two packages stolen. My car might have gotten broken to once or twice in seven years. Um, and nothing of serious is taken. But, like, it is, uh, it is this thing that I guess makes people feel safe, but all it does is you just post pictures of people doing bad stuff of stealing your packages and then you're like hey if you see this guy get him <laughs> report him to the authorities I'm like what do you mean like it's a picture of him bending over like i yeah not he's between five foot five and six foot five he's wearing a black shirt yeah. and pants yeah. <laughs> get him <laughs> yeah i uh there was one video that was very funny though which was a guy did walk up in the middle of the day. We were home and like the little ring thing went off my wife's phone and she looks at it and it, the guy literally walks up the front steps, 
puts his hands on a, a package, like an Amazon package, looks up and sees the ring camera, puts it down and like <laughs> like toddles off backwards down the steps and goes to the next house. I was like, that's that's like the ad for ring. I was like, we should literally just give them, we should send this tape to them. Be like, this guy was like, oh, well, this is easy. Whoa, what? And just turned right around. Like, I wouldn't have done anything about it. Maybe he just saw the return address and saw Crocs. And he's like, I don't need to steal these. (laughs) Well, that's when they stop putting diapers in boxes. Because they're like, people hopefully won't steal these. Oh, I know. If they know they're tired. (laughs) As your alter ego is the diaper bandit of uh, Uptown. Uh, If you wonder why why it's crinkly in the background during the shows. uh, Under, so wait, overrated, right? We just did overrated. I didn't do overrated. Did okay, I? no. Okay, but you chimed in so much. Kind of taking it over. Uh, getting sick is my overrated. Only for me, because I used to like getting sick. Like when I was a kid, I'd be like, "This is the tits. I don't have to go to school. I can watch Price is Right. Oh yeah. There's no expectation to do homework. I just get to sit on the couch all day and like, eh, maybe I'll you know." Uh, throw up or something, but it's really not. It's worth it to not have to go to school or do homework. Totally worth it. And then as you get older, you're like, ah, you know, like you get to, you kind of have an excuse to miss work. Sometimes it's nice just to slow your life down. Lay lay in bed for a whole day. Even if you feel bad, it's like someone's being nice to you. People aren't that nice to you anymore, you no. know? Like your wife will coddle you. Your parents will call and ask how you're doing. Uh, they'll bring you medicine and food. It's not a bad setup. Well, and then I had children, and no one gives a <laughs> shit that daddy is sick. <laughs> Your responsibilities change zero. You just have to do it, and unless your leg is falling off, no one is giving you any benefit <laughs> of the doubt for being it's like, oh, poor baby, your head hurts. I don't care. This kid's one years old, and he's breaking everything in the house. <laughs> When you hit 33, the only way you're allowed to be sick is if it's terminal. (laughs) That anyone cares, yes. You have the flu? I thought you were a fucking grown man. (laughs) Can you imagine someone just calling you and asking you how you're doing on any level? Yeah. It's been decades. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I'll occasionally have like uh, people work wise or, you know, especially around basketball. Who called us to check in networking wise? And it's always like it starts off just like a hey, how's it going? Just checking in, seeing how things are. I'm like, you have something to ask mm. me, right? I know I, you're not just calling to see how I am. Subscribe to the Athletic yeah. for three ninety five a month. <laughs> like, I was like, there's no way <laughs> this is what's happening right now. Uh, but yeah, so being sick, at least in my head, was a, a not totally bad experience. And now it is a very bad experience. So I would call it overrated. Yeah, fair. I would say that you still haven't grasped the concept of what overrated <laughs> is. There's not just because youth, like no one's saying, you know what, it's rules being sick. I don't know if you remember the thing we just got out of. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair that I do overrated badly. <laughs> uh, overrated. Right. Having a bunch of money. <laughs> Not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> um, what you got for underrated? Uh, my underrated is tourist shit in New Orleans. So being a tourist in your own town. Yeah. I love the tourist stuff in New Orleans. Okay. Such as? I got into it this weekend. I Well, I already mentioned most of this. I went down <laughs> trying to go to Brennan's, which, which uh, 
lies about having valet parking because the street that they're on is closed currently. So yeah. I get down there. I'm stuck in it. I win. I parked 10 miles away at the Sanger. I made it back. But you know what? The entire time that I was walking through downtown New Orleans, people are yelling at me about ghosts. Somebody's asked me where I got my shoes. <laughs> I'm having a blast. It's yeah. beautiful. It's fun. I have a $7 Bud Light from Willie's Chicken Shack. <laughs> This is they microwaved it before they handed it to me. I've never had a beer this warm in my life. But the whole time I literally I literally said out loud and I think it was the first time I ever said it. I went, this is a nice time. <laughs> I think I see why people come from all over the world to hang out here. I went to Jackson Square. There was, you know, some guy that he had a bunch of tires before he dropped them <laughs> off in my house. He's banging on them like what was that thing called they used to play where they the play buckets? the garbage cans? The bucket drums? No, it was a thing on MTV. It was like Slam or Stomp. Sh- Stomp. That was it. Yeah. The guys from Stomp were out there. Yeah. It's a cool little scene when you kind of just remove yourself from being a skeptical D-bag like I am. Yeah. You go into the bar called like Gumbo McFarts Crawfish <laughs> Jambalaya. And they're like, oh, this guy's from Auburn. He'll pay $37 for a gin and tonic. But when you do, when you shut off your brain and you go and do that stuff, you go, you know what? This is pretty nice. Yeah. And you can't, there's not, other than Myrtle Beach, where else can you do, <laughs> where else can you have fun being a tourist? It is. It's good to be a tourist in your own hometown. I like the French Quarter during the day. I will yeah. not go anymore at night. I'm no. Done. I'm done with that. I think it's closed still yeah. legally. <laughs> I was like, I have zero, like my parents occasionally will go down there for dinner. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You are nuts. I was like, this is in 1962. <laughs> you don't just go to the French Quarter for a nice place to eat dinner. I was like, that's literally just for, it's for the drunkest people alive. And they're yeah. all zombies with their zombie eyes walking around the French Quarter. Like, this isn't where you want to be. Yeah, come to El Paso with yeah. me in Metairie. It's safe. <laughs> like, I was just like, there's a lot of places you can go that aren't, you don't have to walk down bourbon street to get there well like, some people some people take a car yeah it's true it's a beautiful stroll at night go spend two hundred dollars <laughs> and then immediately jump back in that car do not go down the block <laughs> hop in and hop out yeah uh it is uh, quite a scene down there but i do like being have you ever done a swamp tour that's the one thing in new orleans like people who visit me are always like hey we're gonna do a swamp tour what's the best one i'm like i have no idea i've lived here for 30-something years, and I've never thought about going on a swamp I've never tour. done the... When I think of swamp tour, I think of fan boat. I've never done that, but I've done the pontoon boat where they throw chicken to alligators. Okay. Less of a tour, more of a spectacle, Is but I fun? still enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. I've never... I think just never crossed my mind as something to do. Yeah. You know, you, we went to Brothers. We got a six-pack of chicken. <laughs> we threw it at the alligators. My uncle has a pontoon boat. <laughs> win-win i also call chicken six packs yeah. instead of a six piece i don't know if anybody caught that because you're so cool man <laughs> <laughs> i'm so focused on drinking that i, I don't everything. even see colors so i can't order a light or a dark piece i'm post-racial chicken ordering uh all right that'll take me to my uh, underrated <laughs> uh styrofoam cups these styrofoam cups were kind of on the outs for a while, right? <laughs> Nobody wanted to touch the styrofoam cups. McDonald's got rid of the styrofoam cups. Uh, cafeterias were getting rid of them. It's like we're using paper straws and paper cups, and mm-hmm. let's all go to that. 
Uh, the styrofoam cup still reigns supreme at certain places like, you know, offices and country clubs and p- places where people generally don't give a crap about anyone but them, right. uh, which is great. Those are the places that I like to be uh, because the styrofoam cup is a highly underrated experience. You can put ice in it. You can put hot coffee in it. You can put literally any liquid in there and it's going to maintain itself and the cup isn't going to have a problem. You can't put a lot of hot drinks inside of a lot of these cups. And you certainly, if you put ice and a drink in a cup, it bleeds and then it gets all over the place because it's super wet. The styrofoam cup is a disposable Tervis tumbler. We've basically figured it out. We figured it out 40 years ago. And what did we do? We eschewed it. We said to go away because it's not good for the environment. Who cares about the environment? I say (laughs) make my drink vestibule better. And screw my grandkids. (laughs) So styrofoam cups, let's bring them mainstream styrofoam cups again. I feel like the daiquiri shops I see still have styrofoam cup. Yes, and and snowball stands sometimes. Sonic has styrofoam cups. Do they? My parents' snowball stand has styrofoam cups. They don't know what the environment is. (laughs) They're they're smoking in there while they're... Making the Sundays. <laughs> it can't get any hotter. We've got air conditioning, whatever. <laughs> uh, it just like it feels like it, uh, it took a big dip, the styrofoam cup, and it should be back. I, I agree that the styrofoam cup, very good. I would add an addendum that it needs to be sonic ice in the styrofoam cup. Yes. Bullet ice. <laughs> yes. The country club ice. That's exactly. You can't have chipped ice. You can't have cubed. You can't yeah. have crushed. It has to be sonic ice. Yeah. that The Cane's ice, but they don't have the styrofoam cup. I go to fucking uh, coffee shop in uh, St. Rock Market every day. It's yeah. called Coast Roast. And it is like $10 to get this fucking iced coffee. But they have sonic ice. So I do it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> You're paying for that ice machine. It's not in the styrofoam cup. They would get mad if oh, I, God, I yeah. would be sued by them. <laughs> it's not in one, but if it was. You would be booed as you walk through the bywater with your, styrof- with your styrofoam cup. Yeah, it is uh, definitely like fraternity house places where like generally the attitude is we don't really care yeah. about anything but us. That seems to be where they're good. And so I guess I've become one of those people. It just doesn't give a crap at anybody but me. Yeah. And I mean, it's like you talk about this stuff going to be here for 20, 30, 40 years. Light it on fire. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? It's going to be gone then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> or bury it in the ground. <laughs> Just do that. There is something. It was on uh, like Penn and Teller bullshit about how like a, a landfill for all the world's garbage wouldn't be that crazy big. It'd only yeah. be like half the size of Montana. It's like we've got that. Yeah, we've got plenty. Of, I read somebody told me today that every single person in North America can fit into Manhattan. Was like that Jansen? Yeah. Did he tell you that? <laughs> if you put everyone shoulder to shoulder in North America, they could fit in Manhattan. And I was like, you know, we got a lot of space out here in this country. We should stop complaining about yeah. overpopulation and lack of what. It's like, we got it. Yeah. We should have just turned Iowa into a landfill. I mean, is it not already? And put our styrofoam in there <laughs> and give me more styrofoam. <laughs> if you make styrofoam, email the show. <laughs> Polkengosh at gmail.com. We want your styrofoam, and we are here to support you. Uh, on that note, that will take us into my favorite part of every single week on the show, ladies and gentlemen. The word! 
The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. Uh, this is one where we want you to send us in ideas. We hate looking up this shit. Yes. <laughs> Lord knows we don't look at the news. If you've got an idea, send it in. Polkandkush at gmail.com or Twitter at Polkandkush, A-N-D-K-U-S-H. Um, this was a story sent in this week. Um, would you believe it? The place of origin... Florida. No way. No. <laughs> Florida, United States. <laughs> Can I get more specific? Orlando. Orlando. Now, there's a couple crimes that happen in in Florida. Uh, usually, it's people being drunk and fighting at Disney World. Mm-hmm. It's some sort of illegal drug that we've never heard of mm-hmm. that makes their face melt off. <laughs> Traffic altercation. That's a big one. Oh, yeah. The other one. Fast food related violence. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Florida woman upset over tomato thickness throws Whopper. <laughs> Logically, what comes next? Shouts racial slurs. Oh, boy. Police say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and believe the police. Oh, my God. I think you can take off police say <laughs> and just say this woman definitely threw a Whopper <laughs> and absolutely. <laughs> Yelled a racial His slur. comma happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, wh- uh, okay, I guess it's not Orlando. Wildwood. Police arrested a 77-year-old woman. 77's pretty old to be. Look at that picture. At Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like one of the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. She's uh, oof, Dorothy after she takes the hood off. <laughs> 77-year-old woman said that she admitted to throwing a Whopper at a Burger King worker while calling the victim a stupid black expletive. Oh, boy. Officers arrested. Guess her last name. Uh Uh-oh. Black. (laughs) This is a white woman who said a racial slur towards an African-American fellow, and her last name is Black. So the story gets maybe a tad confusing. Officers arrested Judith Ann Black of the villages on Friday. Police said they were called to a Burger King on Seven Mile Drive. Isn't that where there was like a nuclear incident? Just after 6 p.m. Investigators said they spoke with the victim who told them that an older woman was not satisfied with her Whopper or the thickness of the tomato on the Whopper and was screaming at the victim while standing at the counter. The victim said she asked Black to stop yelling so that she could help her record show. This is a documented thing. The poor woman at Burger King was like, please stop screaming at me so I can slice your tomato thinner. Oh, my God. The victim turned around, which is when Black threw the sandwich and said, shut up, you Black expletive, as she stormed out with her husband and left in a white Ram pickup. (laughs) That sounds right, too. Yep. Police said several witnesses backed up the victim's claims and also heard Black use a racial slur. Surveillance caught the license plate on the Ram pickup, and they tracked down this crazy old lady. Man, that is a bad look. This is a bad look for my uh, for my worst of last week, where I was complaining that nobody was working anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is why they're not working. That's like get yelled racial slurs at for cutting tomatoes. Have a federal hate crime committed against you because you didn't uh, make this Uh, lady looks like Paula Dean. She really does. She looks like B. Arthur for sure, man. It is incredible. She's got the (laughs) B. Arthur resting bitch face too. 
Oh like, yeah. Oh god, that lady. She must be a real barrel of fun, dude. It's one, you know. It's one thing to flip out at Burger King. We've all done it. Sure. Sort of thing to bring race into it. Yeah. Don't be a monster. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a hateful. When you're fighting the employee at Burger King, don't bring race into it. <laughs> just, just degrade them for the job they do, <laughs> not for the race that they are. I want to see the tomato. <laughs> I want to see how thick this tomato is. I mean, how thick could it have possibly been to cause that level? I do never... people like a thin tomato? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I was like, I thought a thicker tomato was better. The Red Robin on the ad puts a pretty damn thick tomato. Did you on have there. to add in the ad because you've never been? That's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear they have endless fries. <laughs> Why anyone needs more than one basket of fries? Not for me to decide, but still seems silly. One day we'll get to go. Red Robin sponsoring Polk and Kush. Is there one in New Orleans? I don't think there is. There? Uh, I don't believe so. No, yeah. I have been to one. Um, um, anyway, if. Uh, the last couple of the worst we've done, fans of the show have emailed us in and be like, yeah, I know that person personally. <laughs> you know, the, it's like that Nana. The guy, <laughs> the guy that got his nose bit off. I got fucking pictures sent. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> He's a listener? He's not a listener, but his friend is. Oh, that's awesome. He got his nose bit off by a Saigon horse. Yeah. And then after we did the thing about the the coffee guy, same yeah. person was like, yeah, it's my buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, all right, so that'll take me into my worst. Mine is not going to be that long this week. This is just a thing that pisses me off every single time there's a story about it. Therefore, I have to bring it up here. Mm-hmm. From WWL Television, David Hammer's report. Uh, engineer says hard rock hotel designer ignores call for more steel supports. Uh, subheader. No shit. The thing collapsed and it took a year to remove, uh, a move to use thinner decking could have worked. If the builders had added extra supports, a structural engineer says maybe they should have talked to a structural engineer. That would have been a decent idea on your $50 million building. Um, you know, I'm no expert, but it seems like talking to an engineer is a pretty valid move uh, and a wise move. You're going to do it. Uh, the story reads, a key supplier of materials to the Hard Rock construction project tried to warn the builders they needed more steel supports in the upper floors, but those supports were never added before the partially built 18-story high-rise collapsed. The October collapse happened just eight days after the last batch of concrete was poured into metal decking on the rooftop. The concrete and steel pancaked killing three workers, injuring dozens more, and shutting down a section of downtown New Orleans for more than a year. Who is getting the fucking email that says, hey, you're going to want to put more supports up there, otherwise your building is going to collapse. You're like, yeah, we'll just put that one in the spam folder. <laughs> we don't need, we don't really need to worry about that one. I'm sure they don't know what they're talking about. Let's just wing it and see what happens. I know we changed the materials. Essentially, I'm not going to read this whole story because it is ridiculously long and, and like detailed to the most boring level imaginable. Uh, essentially what happened is they changed material to get a cheaper material to build the patios. Yeah. And when they did that, it's heavier, heavier material is cheaper somehow. And, when that happened, they never changed the support structure for it, even though people warned them. And even though they like interviewed some guy who was like, I've worked in buildings in Denver and Austin and Portland. And guess what? None of them fell down. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, because like there's actual inspectors doing their actual job. 
so basically, the Hard Rock collapse was exactly as stupid as you all think <laughs> it was. And three people were killed because some guy decided to read an email that said, hey, you're going to need to change the support system, but it's probably going to cost an extra, I don't know, one one hundredth of a percent of what this entire project costs. Like, yeah, no, I think we're okay. I think we've got this. I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. <laughs> we're good here. Uh, I mean, what else could you say? What do but, you do? But fuck these people. Yeah. I mean, that guy saw that email and was like, nah, I'm going to go to this next email. It's a coupon for DoorDash. I mean, it is just like, how can anyone see that? And like, it's it was the records show it. It's very obvious it happened. Uh, and then literally nothing occurred. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, I mean, and, and it goes on and on and on. There's like months worth of emails of people being concerned. My favorite part, of course, is the city's reaction to it. Who, you know, just completely, you know, like, oh, we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, we don't have email. (laughs) Nothing to do with it. Uh, This guy who's a structural engineer said he's worked as a plan reviewer for the cities of Austin and Denver. He said he would always check the structural drawings to make sure each building was designed properly. Public records suggest the city of New Orleans never challenged the design of the hard rock steel framed upper floors. In response to a public records request, the city produced several documents in which the reviewers questioned the building's mechanical and electrical plans. But the city's plan reviewers did not question any of the Hard Rock's plans for steel beams and columns to support the upper 10 floors. Quote, they're just letting the engineer do whatever he wants. It's the wild, wild west, and that doesn't seem like the right way to do things. Former New Orleans Safety and Permits Director, former being the key word there, Jared Munster, left his post in 2018, said the city's plans uh, do check to make sure the structural designs are up to code, but he said the city has never had any engineers on staff to double-check the work of the private engineers. Never? Never. That doesn't seem like something that the city should... So what are these inspectors this, doing if they're not engineers? Is this a city that's had any sort of, I don't know, history with faulty engineering yeah. or in- inspections, <laughs> maybe some kind of erosion? You know, I'm not an engineer. I don't know this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like we can just trust the engineers will have done their job. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's worked out pretty well for us the last 20 years. What really that puts into perspective is how many places we are in daily <laughs> oh, yeah. are just death traps <laughs> waiting to happen. How many bridges in this city would you like? Is there a single bridge where if it collapsed, you'd be like, well, that was surprising. I oh, I recently got <laughs> scared of bridges. Like They're terrifying. Yeah. The ones here, I'm like... Nobody's looking at the. What's the last time somebody actually got in a car, went like tested the, you know, the whatever the flexibility of or whatever the the needs are to make sure it doesn't collapse? I would think no one. No, they don't. Have, they don't clean the graffiti. I'm sure there's like there's gonna be like a that Batman movie where Bane blew up all the bridges to the city. That's just gonna happen here naturally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're all gonna collapse on top of like a Domino's, you know? Oh God, so. I like to keep it local in these worst. Everything regarding that project is the worst. Every just time brutal. they find new emails, it's just horrible. And there's going to be, that's not going to be the last thing that we hear about the hard rock that is just horrible yeah. either. That's, you know, no, it's keep, one of it's many. It's coming. It's coming. There's, everyone was negligent. Everyone's an asshole. Well, uh, so are we. Yeah. You uh, want to wrap us up? Yes, sir. Polk and Kush. We always have a lot of fun on here. 
Thank you for sticking with us right now. We know there's not a ton of Pels and a ton of Saints news, but we try and keep it entertaining. If you were entertained, leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon. You can uh, say to your smart speaker, say, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, play Polk and Kush. It'll go, why? And then you go, just play it. You're a robot. And then it'll play it. Uh, if you have ideas for the show, segments, anything like that, send us an email, polkandkush at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at polkandkush. I try and keep it funny and up-to-date and lighthearted and all that good stuff. We are sponsored by Ale on Oak Street, a fantastic bar in the heart of Uptown, as well as Jansen Patagna, French Quarter Realty's best realtor. Uh, we're going to have a live event very soon with new merch, new shit, new goofs, and a lot of fun. I am Andrew Polk. That's Scott Kushner. We'll see you next week. See ya. Such a play to your own